That's right. You tell him, James Brown. Man's World Radio. Welcome back to the program, America. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig. Uh, boy, do we have a fantastic Man's World guest. As promised, folks, we have Clint Johnson. And uh, Clint is a writer, uh, lives in uh, North Carolina, out in the mountains, a uh, beautiful country out there. Uh, this man has written over a dozen books. His latest book is Tin Cans and Greyhounds, the destroyers that won two world wars. And um, are you there, Brother Clint? I'm here, Brother Craig. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate and I, you asking me on. I, look, we appreciate you coming, man, with uh, Memorial Day right around the corner. This book uh, is right on time. And I, I see you even wrote a book about uh, Clarence Big House Gaines. Yes, sir. He was uh, one of the, the greatest men I've ever known. And we're right in the middle of trying to write a documentary about him that will come out uh, some, maybe sometime next year. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, did you play ball under him? Oh, no, no, no. I just uh, knew him from living in Winston-Salem, and uh, I gave him a decade to, to write his biography, and he didn't do it. And I said, I finally approached him and, and said, Coach, you need to get somebody to, to work with you uh, on this. And actually, that was one of the reasons he chose me, because I know absolutely nothing about basketball. Oh, okay, okay, so he, yeah. He said, all right, I don't, I don't want to coach his book. I want somebody to tell me, tell the story of how I got these young men into college and train them to be young men that'll have an impact on society. So, and you know, that's so important. Yeah, that, that is so important. I think that's one of the things we're missing with young athletes today. You see athletes, they're taking a knee, they're refusing to go see the president. You know, you win the national championship or you win the Super Bowl and, you know, either half the team won't go and quite often it goes down racial lines. So there's a, a lot that's not being taught about modesty and propriety uh, to, uh, you know, to overlook superficial differences in just at, at critical moments, just be an American. Well, and, and Coach Gaines told his students, says, you're not going to go to the NBA, uh, but you are going to leave here with a degree in education and you can become a teacher or become a doctor, mm -hmm. become anything you want to. Almost all of his students graduated from college. And that's not a priority at these universities now when they have uh, athletes. They, oh, they don't yeah. really care that they graduate they, as long as they play basketball, football. Yeah, yeah. So that the coach can get that off. Uh, I, I think it's obscene that a college coach makes so much money, football, basketball, whatever. Um, I mean, Players at the professional anything. level, it, it is what it is, you know. Um, but but in, in, in a college, particularly if it's not a private college. You know, I just I think there's something really wrong with it. It's really obscene. But but look, let's get to this fantastic book you've written here, Memorial Day. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot uh, from your book here that these destroyers that you write about that, you know, they're like they call them greyhounds because they're fast, but they call them tin cans because they're dangerous and they're dangerous to the soldiers that were on them because in order to be fast, they had to use the least amount of steel. Am I speaking? Is that accurate? Well, somewhat accurate. They were called tin cans because their holes were only three-eighths to five-eighths of an inch thick. And that's all that's keeping you from the ocean. 
And as soon as the sailors looked at that, they said, well, that's about the thickness of a tin can. <laughs> and so <laughs> the warriors were not armored like battleships and, and cruisers were during right. the war. If yeah. you were on a, a battleship, you had 13 inches of, of tempered steel keeping you uh, from being hit by uh, enemy ships. Wow, shells. 13 so, inches of steel. My goodness. Steel uh, yeah, you kind of come in. You, you, the sound is a little muffled, so I need you to kind of hold okay. hold the phone straight. Okay. Yeah. Now, say, would you repeat that, please? Thirteen inches of steel on a destroyer, and how many no. inches of steel on uh, one of these escort ships? Well, no, thirteen inches of steel on a battleship. Yeah, a battleship around the hull. And then only three-eighths to five-eighths of an inch of steel on a destroyer. So if you're going to get a torpedo coming at you on a destroyer, you're going to get hit. Mm-hmm. And a battleship would kind of kind of shrug it off if it got right. hit. Right, right. Uh, but no, no battleships went down in World War II for the Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we lost 78 destroyers. Wow, 78 destroyers. And each yep. destroyer has, on average, how many men on it? Around 330. Oh, my God. Yeah, 78 destroyers. And uh, But it's you write that, or the admirals, they write, you quote them, that without these destroyers, we perhaps would not have won the war because they're like the shield and the, and the sword for the uh, larger, heavier ships, they, they, the, the destroyer was the, the best all-around ship. It would scout out ahead for the battleships and the aircraft carriers. Uh, it could attack the submarines that would be looking for those bigger ships. It could uh, uh, throw up a lot of uh, anti-aircraft guns to, uh, or shells to protect those bigger ships. And it was a weapon on its own. They formed themselves into attack groups in the Pacific, and it sounds a simple idea, but uh, it proved very effective. They would approach the Japanese, and they'd see them with radar about 15 miles away. Japanese did not have radar, and so they would go in, fire a spread of torpedoes, mm-hmm. wait to see if those tor- torpedoes hit, and then go in and fire their five-inch guns, and then turn around and run. <laughs> oh, and it- and so that before the Japanese could figure out where they were. So that's mm-hmm. smart, smart. Now, I read that the USS England in in a 12 day run sank six Japanese submarines and did this very efficiently in only 11 firing runs. So, that, I mean, there were some smart people on that ship. Yeah, and, and even the captain could not figure out why they were so good at it. He used three different sonar operators, so it wasn't one man's good ears that could, could find them. It was just an effective use of the crew, and they were so good at it that, that one seaman came up to the captain and said, I'm feeling bad about killing these Japanese sailors. <laughs> no, that's the wrong attitude. It's war. <laughs> that's exactly what the captain said. Yeah. The captain said, we, we, we have to do this. We have to finish our job and go home. Mm-hmm. Now, and next year, that. Yeah, next year, the movie version is coming out, uh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is coming out with a movie called Greyhound, and it'll come out in May of two thousand or, or yeah, two thousand and twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not based on my book, but based on a novel. 
but I have an objection to, to Mr. Hanks's uh, movie because he's calling it the USS or, or he's on a destroyer called Greyhound. Well, all American destroyers were named after naval heroes. Mm-hmm. Now, so unless could, it was Jack let, Greyhound, it's incorrect. Right, right. Now, let me ask you this: Can we? Would you? Would you have a few more minutes to hold for the bottom of the hour news, and then we come back and finish up? Yes, sir. Okay, great. All right, folks. We have Clint Johnson. the The book is Ten Cans and Greyhounds. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Carrying the weight of the world, but I only have two hands. Hope I get the chance to travel the world, but I don't have any plans. Welcome back to the program, America. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, and his Man's World Radio folks. And uh, we have Clint Johnson here. He's written a fantastic book. You really got to go out and get this book, folks. Uh, Ten Cans and Greyhounds. And uh, here with Memorial Day uh, weekend upon us, uh, you know, go ahead and uh, get it. O- order it now. How can how can folks order the book, Clint? Brother, well, would, brother yeah. Clint. <laughs> Thanks, Brother Craig. It's on all of the online bookstores, and there are many bookstores do carry it in stock. So mm-hmm. they should be able to find it uh, any place that they normally buy their books. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and there's also an audio book if you, if you can't read uh, uh, or, or, or hear well or, so, or, or if, if you can't see. Can't it's see. Also on audio book. Yeah. Or if you get a lot of windshield time and you just want to pop the CD in and listen while you drive, that's. Right, you know, right. some people, you know, some people too. do that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there's so much you learn in this book. I mean, you know, about the some of the ships that did not get hit in Pearl Harbor and then how successful those ships were. You know, you, I never heard that. We only hear we only heard the bad part of Pearl Harbor. Right. I, I did an analysis. The, the battleships were the, the targets of the Japanese at Pearl Harbor. But the battleships were all built before World War One. They were really obsolete by the time the World War Two came along. So the Japanese uh, bombed those uh, battleships, but they only nailed two destroyers. And there were like 50 of them that were based at Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. Did, uh, a, an analysis of battles that those ships were in, the, all of the battleships refloated, went back to fight in the war, but they only were in, in 38 engagements where they won 38 battle stars. Wow. The 50 destroyers that were based at uh, Pearl Harbor went on to win 438 battle stars. Wow. Yeah. And they were in a ship to ship battle or uh-huh. ship bombardment or something along that line. So That's fascinating. Either. Yeah. They were more important ships. Mm hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really fascinating. I mean, I love, you know, when you look at movies like, you know, The Hunt for Red October, you know, a submarine. Uh, story or just, you know, any of the famous, um, movies that revolve around the sea. They all, they always seem to be really, really fascinating. And, uh, so if you, you have a lot of stories in this book and we're right up against a, another break. So real quick, what, pick one of the stories and share real quick. Well, uh, one of the more amusing things I found out, uh, was there was a, uh, destroyer that, carried the king of Saudi Arabia to meet 
Franklin D. Roosevelt. Oh, I read that one. Yeah. Ooh, tell them what happened. <laughs> well, they, of course, they're all Muslim. And so the captain said, we got to be careful about uh, uh, cultural differences. Mm-hmm. So the, the king shows up and he said, I want to carry 200 people with me. And the captain says, "That's uh, we can't do that. That's way too many. And they finally settled on a short number. The king also showed up with something like 50 sheep to slaughter every day for food. Mm-hmm. And they talked him down into about 10, 10 sheep. And he showed up with uh, his own throne, so they had to put the throne on the on the deck of the destroyer. Uh, and one one thing that the the Arabs were, were talking Arabic to all of the black uh, stewards on board, mm-hmm. and the black stewards are from New Jersey or New York. They, yeah. they didn't speak Arabic. They they and didn't Arab- realize that they were not from North Africa. <laughs> yeah. They assume my, my my brother. Let's let's talk about things on this ship, and they, these fellows are just staring at him because they didn't mm-hmm. understand. Yeah, and they brought their own water, and uh, and they would not help reload. Now, don't ask me why. You know, we think that modern Americans don't understand Islam, and that the 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 fact that the two the two worlds are opposite each other. But Roosevelt found out that they would not help relocate the Jews from Germany to. Israel. What in the world made Roosevelt think that they would? I think he was just making a stab in the dark. But the important thing that that did happen was that established our relationship with Saudi Arabia to start drilling oil. Mm-hmm. And so that was the first time that the United States made a friendly arrangement with Saudi Arabia that continues to this day. So the all of the Middle Eastern oil exploration started. Mm-hmm. From this one destroyer, uh, bringing the king of Saudi Arabia to to meet FDR. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fascinating. <laughs> you got to get this book, folks. I wish we had a little more time, Clint, brother Clint. But um, you know, you have a very blessed uh, observation of Memorial Day uh, coming up. Thank you so much, not only for writing this book, for but for sharing it with our audience. Well, thanks for having me, brother Craig. Okay, God bless you, brother. All right. Well, all right, folks, we're going to take another quick break. The number, if you'd like to call, 804-454-0822. I'm still learning about life. My woman brought children for me so I can...